3 through 5. It says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all abounds towards each other, so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. So really quickly to remind us who the Thessalonians were, there are people just like me and you, living in a world just like me and you. It may have been 2,000 years ago, but people are the same. Guys, we have the same desires, the same temptations, the same pitfalls, uh, the same addictions. Oh yeah, they had an addiction way back then. It's not something new, guys. They came in the, in the 60s or even the uh, 20s. Uh, alcohol has been around forever. Um, they had different drugs back then. Uh, you know, hippies, they, you know, thanks, Mike, you guys brought a, a whole new batch of them. But still, drugs were around, man. They always have been around um, uh, sexual immorality, sexual addiction. The, the city of Thessalonica, there was a temple there. Um, the people would go there and do uh, sexual uh, sacrifices, prostitution, uh, where they would buy prostitutes in honor of the, the gods of, of sex. And so it was just a very uh, depraved culture. And it's no different today, guys. We live in the same culture. The sin of man in our heart, it's the same thing. God saved people back then, and he does it the same way today. Which is really awesome that we get to, we get to look at the Word of God, the Bible. It, it, it doesn't change. The message of the Bible doesn't change how God changes your life and how he changes my life. It, it, it speaks the same message of faith, of repentance, of uh, showing us the condition of ourselves. Um, at, the, at the teaching last week, my, my, my teaching was uh, on Abraham, and it was, it was about God knows the heart. And one of the things about the heart, guys, is the heart, a sinful heart, a not unregenerate heart, that means you're not saved yet. Because you can think that you know God, but, but it's a difference to know God and to be saved by God. Okay? To be saved, to put your full trust, to have God in us. The, the heart before that is deceitfully wicked. When all the time I used to hear in the movies, just follow your heart. I, what was it, Rose and Jack? Remember from the Titanic? Like, just follow your heart. And then here he goes down into the, you know, the uh, bottom of the ocean all frozen like yeah his heart's frozen it's cold like don't follow that heart don't follow your heart though guys you know it, it, we've got to follow god because if we follow our heart our our ways get us where we're at our ways lead us into addiction our ways lead us into sinful lifestyles our way gets us in a pinch and then what happens you guys know what happened, right? You start looking around and said, oh no, I don't know how to get myself out of this. Then we start crying out to God, right? Which is fine. That's exactly what we should do. But when you follow your heart, wow, be careful. Because the heart's deceitfully wicked above all things. That's, that's who we are. That's like shocking to hear, right? You're like, wait a second, I always thought, I always thought different. God's word is sharp and it, it pierces. So he tells us some things um, in 2 Thessalonians that I think are really important. Some things about the life in Christ. Some things about believers. And um, he talks about faith that grows. Okay, You can have faith. And Jesus said that if you have the faith of a mustard seed... It can move mountains, right? So if you guys have faith, you can have faith that can move a mountain. And God wants us to even grow in that faith. So move from mustard seed faith to um, bigger faith, whatever it is. Maybe you're thinking, I could never do that. Well, let's just start at the mustard seed. Okay? Faith that grows uh, strongest is usually faith that grows under pressure. Okay? 
Faith that grows strongest is faith that grows under pressure. Usually what happens is we get comfortable. We, we get a victory from the Lord. We say, that's all I needed. I didn't need any more from you, Lord. And we kick back. And we take our foot off the pedal. If you look back at verse 3, the, the verses we just read, it says, We're bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you abounds toward each other. If I can help you understand what the Thessalonians were facing, they were facing persecution. They were facing being killed for having faith in Jesus, being killed for spreading the word of God. And that didn't stop them. A lot of times nowadays, uh, somebody says, well, you can't mention God. And then we go around and tuck our tail and like to look out the corner to see him. We shouldn't be ashamed of Jesus. How many of you guys are ashamed? Everybody going to raise their hand? No. We shouldn't be ashamed, but it does happen. It's happened to me. I've, I've ran from that before because of the pressure that you face from people. What does the Bible say about that, guys? That that's fear, right? The fear of man is a snare. And, and, and it's a trap because God has so much more for us. And we get caught up because we don't want to offend somebody when the, the greatest reality is that Jesus doesn't offend Jesus sets people free. There's freedom in Jesus. There's freedom in who we become in Jesus. The greatest thing we could do is share the love of Christ. So we don't have to be ashamed. And these guys sure weren't. They were um, taking their faith. Another thing about this church here was it was it was established in what looks like about three weeks. Three weeks. The 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 church was established. Paul showed up there. He, he almost got beat to death in Philippi and he ran to Thessalonica and, and all of a sudden um, he met some people who were Jewish believers and, and the book of Acts says that you know he spent about three weeks there instructing them. I'm sure every day I'm sure they had Bible study like a seminar every day and he, he told them all the most important things that they needed to know for sure but he, get, he didn't get to tell him everything, right? But he got to t- tell him the most important things, plus they had the scripture. So he knew that they could, they could grow from that. But he also came back to encourage them because he knew uh, by the time Second Thessalonians was written, they were going through some hard stuff. And that's just what might happen if you begin to follow Jesus. You might face persecution. And it's going to do one of two things. Drive you back to the world. And you can give up and say, you know what? That Jesus stuff is too crazy. Those people are too nuts. They're they're Jesus freaks. They don't know any better. (laughs) You know, I'm living good now. I got that monkey off my back. And you go back to your life. Who knows? Maybe you live the rest of your life um, free and clear of any problems. But it's not likely you guys face problems this week? I did. And we will continue. This world is not set up for you to win. This world is set up to go down the toilet bowl <laughs> every day. As you turn your back, something will get stolen or broken. Something will, will be ripped away from you. And before you know, it's not set up for us to win. We don't put our hope in this world, though. And so, um, these people were facing this kind of duress. You guys know what that word duress is? It's like stress that is just constant. And it doesn't die down. And they were uh, faced with losing their life. Their loved ones, possibly even their kids. I mean, think about the decisions they had to make. And then... Picture yourself in that situation. Where would your faith be at? Paul is saying, you know what? Your faith is growing. They're growing and the Lord got them through it. And, and they had love. Love was something that was evident in their faith. Because they had faith. And with faith, 
comes love. It's just a natural byproduct of having faith. If you have faith in the Lord, you're going to receive the Lord's love. And then you're, because you don't have this kind of love to give from your own personal inventory of tools. God gives us love, agape love it's called. And it comes from him, from heaven. We ask him for it. And then we're able to share it with each other. So they were taking care of each other. They were looking out for each other. You have somebody like that in your life that will look out for you, uh, maybe pick you up when you're down, maybe encourage you when, when you got beat, maybe uh, lend you some money when, you, when you're dead broke and, <laughs> and nobody else wants to lend you any money. You know? Maybe uh, somebody uh, will pray for you. Maybe somebody will just come up and not know you at all and just bless you somehow. That comes from, from Jesus. That comes from having a life of Christ. And, and they were showing that they had their faith fully in the Lord because their love was not just like minimal, like, hey, we're doing enough to make sure the Lord's happy. It was exceeding what the Lord would ask. That's, that's the kind of love that Jesus is talking or that Paul is talking about here. Love that exceeds expectations. So that's the kind of love that comes from faith, growing faith. And it shows to one another. And that's what the Lord expects from us, for each other. We gather together. Really what, what um, the ministry here is, is a community that is supposed to show love to each other. Right? So we come to, together, we come to, to live at U-Turn for Christ for a while. And we expect a program, but you get so much more. You get way more than what a program can offer. You get love that comes from Jesus. And, and it becomes not just a program, because it, you can find a program anywhere. But you can't find the love of Jesus just anywhere. It's special. It's unique. It's koinonia. Communion. Fellowship. And it comes from having our relationships right with God. And then we can have our relationships on earth good. We can't expect relationships on earth to be good if we don't have the horizontal relationship right. You notice how it works? First it's like that, up and down, and then it's like that. Vertical and horizontal, right? That's horizontal, that's vertical. Okay, I had it backwards, but you guys know what I mean, all right? So, where is your relationship at with God? Where is it at? If you're honest, God will show you. If you ask him, God, where, where are we at? You know, you know what? Um, when I first started reading the Bible, this is just my experience. When I first started reading the Bible, when I first started, um, just got set free by, by the Lord. I was in, in, in the ministry of Utah for Christ. And we got taught that we need to read the Bible. We, we need to read the Word of God because it's how God speaks to you. And, and I would read it and I'd be like, oh, that was good. And then my day all of a sudden would be good. And I was like, hey, that's a weird connection. And then there's like, yeah, you gotta do that every day. First thing when you wake up. Like just for, like while I'm here? No, for the rest of your life. <laughs> not just while you're here, for the rest of your life. It's not just, a, just for the time that you're here. It's for every day. This is your lifestyle now. This is what you have to do. And I would read. And then there was like some days where I would just slack off. Because I got complacent. I got comfortable. And then things would get real hard. And I would figure out like I would be like man I'm spinning my wheels. And then I would go and open the word of God. And this feeling would come over me like. I missed you Lord. It's been a long time. And it's been like a day or two. But it just seemed like forever. Because that's how much I realized I needed to be dependent on him. And that's how weak I was without him. Like, oh man, it's been a long time, God. Like, thank you, God, for just meeting me here again. That's good. If you have that happening to you, then that's good. Because God is meeting with you. That's where it's at, guys.
God meets with you. You don't know. You don't have to win the battle on your own, because there is no lone, lone ranger Christians who are just taking out the devil by themselves here. Right? <laughs> you you don't have it, and I don't have it. You got to meet with the Lord, riding on the white horse that He rides around on, and you're 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 sitting shotgun, okay? Because you want to have Him go before you. Faith that grows. It's strongest when you're under persecution, but it's weakest when you're complacent. We need that kind of faith to handle the trials of life. Right? Because they're going to be there. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 10 says something really interesting here. It says, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. See, we're talking about diligence today. Diligence is just looking and striving to find God. You're, you're, you're going to have to strive. You're going to have to be diligent. You're not going to have to strive to save yourself. You're going to have to strive to meet with Him. There's a desire that's somewhere in you. <laughs> and you got to make Jesus your biggest treasure. I was thinking about a pirate. <laughs> I'm weird. I was thinking about a pirate. Pirates love treasure, right? Like, uh, what are those movies? The, uh, you know, the pirate movies? Pirates of the Caribbean, right? Those guys love their treasure, man. They'll go to whatever lengths to find it. They'll, they'll bury it on, on an island and get all happy. And, and, and you know, like, hey, we're going to go find the treasure, right? And, and a lot of us, like me, would go and hide our treasures of the world. And then when, when it was time to go find that treasure, we would, arr, yeah, <laughs> uncover it. And, man, we thought that stuff from the world was so valuable, right? So valuable. But now my eyes are open. And look at the treasure that I used to treasure. Look at it up. It's just like a bunch of seashells and moss, right? Arr. So we're like, what is this stuff, man? There's nothing valuable there. The stuff that we used to value, my values change, your values should change. Now we have desires that change. They become the desires of Christ. And when you want, if you really value Christ in your life, you're going to search for him like a pirate would search for his treasure. You're going to bury it and take care of it and guard it and, and you're going to open it up and it's going to be the most valuable treasure that you could ever find. Treasure that time with the Lord. Treasure that meeting with Him. If you do, you'll never be disappointed. You won't open it up and, and, and have your treasure robbed because that can never be taken from you. You guys following me? You guys know what I'm saying? That's the kind of desire that God, He's put it in somewhere in you. I hope that you can awaken to that and you can see the value of Christ. The value of the price that He paid. The value of who you are. We'll talk about worthiness in a little bit. But something that was going on in um, Thessalonica, they were being persecuted um, obviously life and death and stuff like that. But there was something a little bit more tricky that came into play too. You see, the devil, he's got all kinds of tricks, guys. And if you want to mess around with him, he'll, he'll switch you up. He'll cross you over faster than Kobe Bryant. He'll leave you on the floor with your ankles broken because you thought you could play the game with, with, with the devil. And you can't do it. None of us can. He's too smart. Uh, the Christians in Thessalonica were, were being persecuted. Their property was being seized. But something else was coming in that was tricky. It was false teaching. False teaching. False uh, people saying, I have the word from God. Right? 
And what made it really tricky is that they didn't have the Bible like we have the Bible now, but they had they had the Apostle Paul. They they were new. They were young in their faith, but they had something going on where where people would come in and say, "Hey, I'm from God too." Because the devil, if he can't stop you, he'll just join you. He, 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 he's always um, ready to go to church. On Sunday morning, the devil puts on his shoes and, you know, he shows up too. So they were being persecuted that way too. Through false teaching was coming in. And they were um, drawing away sheep. They were taking um, people, households and stuff. And it was deceptive. And that can ruin that can ruin your household. Guys, men, you're the priest of your home. And you know, ladies, be careful what you allow your children um, because you have to have the true word of God. Right? So there are many people who, who this is still happening, okay? And it's something that that we're asked to warn each other about because we we don't want to be fooled anymore we're fooled by drugs and alcohol we're fooled by a foolish lifestyle i'm tired of that i don't want to go back to being fooled again and i just want the real god i want the authentic relationship with god and i don't want to be um fooled again are you guys with me there I don't want to ever go back to being under bondage, under some uh, slavery, right? Um, they were um, they were being hunted by false teachers. That's what I think false teachers are. They're hunters. You know, some hunters hunt with a net. Some hunters hunt with a with a bow, an arrow, with a rifle, maybe. There's all sorts of different means of hunting, right? But they, they were saying some really, uh, really weird things like um, the rapture, that the rapture had already happened and Paul's gonna talk about that. He's gonna address some of these issues in 2 Thessalonians. And now you, you might say, well, what does the rapture have to do? Like, how's that gonna throw people off? And, you know, um, like, I don't want it to be that complicated. Becoming a student of the word, becoming a follower of Jesus, those are the things that we have to take on. We have to take in and learn to be disciples. The rapture is really cool if you understand it. The rapture can really help you share your faith. But if uh, people handle the word of God deceitfully, you, you see them all the time. They, they can come out on the, on, the, uh, on the TV and ask you for a bunch of money. You know, you might have grandma sitting at home uh, saying, you know what, I really want to help some people. And she sends them a bunch of money. Her heart's right. But what are they going to do with the money, right? I mean, that's always the question. And, and it gets worse than that. But that's just a, a, a really quick example. These guys, these false teachers were saying that the rapture was past and that they were in the midst of the Great Tribulation. So, you know, the Great Tribulation is a time um, in, the, in the end times when, when God has set judgment on the earth and he's judging um, the earth for their deeds and everything. Um, I'm a pre-trib, pre-millennial dude. <laughs> so that means that I believe that we're gonna be raptured before the tribulation happens. And that's a pretty general belief among people. Um, it's important because they, they, he was telling, or false teachers were saying, the rapture had happened and that they were in the great tribulation and basically that they had missed the boat basically like noah's ark remember noah's ark that was kind of like a picture of the rapture and of judgment i mean um and those who were in the ark were saved and those who weren't who were outside of the boat they got judged and if uh, if you get around to it he was basically telling you don't need to follow Jesus because the you've already missed the boat. Rapture has already happened and you're now in the midst of the, the, the tribulation. So forget Jesus, you know, just serve the devil or serve yourself or do whatever. 
And it, you know, there's a lot more to it, but it was causing people to swerve from their faith and it was hurting the momentum that the church had. See, churches, they build up momentum. God comes in and he energizes the church. We, we've uh, looked at that in 1 Thessalonians. And again, we were talking about that this morning, about the word energeo, where we get the word energy, energize, right? And the word of God, it says the word of God is alive and active. And it, and it energizes. It's like a charge that you put in a bullet, right? It charges the cartridge and it sends a projectile out. But that energy, it's the same kind of energy that bursts within us. And it sends us a message. The God, word of God bursts within us. And it sends a message into us. And we take that message. And it comes, the anointing of God comes out of it. And we're sharing it because we've been energized. Now, the, the false teachers were trying to basically deactivate that kind of energy that was happening in the church. They were trying to neutralize the momentum that God had given these people. They were very zealous. They loved sharing the word of God. The love, he says, was abounding. And it was uh, going out from each other and affecting the whole community. And everybody was looking at it and saying, wow, what's, what's up with those people? You know, that's, that's pretty cool. I would, like, I would like to be part of that, you know? Well, the false teachers and the, the bad message that they were giving, it just takes a little bit. You know, a little bit of poison is enough, right? Um, I, and I use the illustration all the time. If you, if you gave me a glass of water and told me that it was 99% good, I would, I would say, you know what? What's up with that other 1%? Because, <laughs> uh, well, that's just a little bit of poison. Well, I, I'll tell you what I would do. I would dump that thing out. Or I'd ask them to drink it, maybe. I'm, why don't you take a sip first? Sit back and watch my clock, you know? Like, that's why the kings had cupbearers, right? Why don't you be my cupbearer? You know, check that uh, poison out and see what, what's in there. A little bit of poison, a little bit of leaven, leavens the whole lump, guys. A little bit of compromise compromises everything. That's, that's what uh, we warn guys Ladies, if you're compromising a little bit, just a little bit is enough to compromise everything. You gotta walk that line. You, you really want victory? It's not up to anybody else, it's up to you. What you allow, we do our best to, to mitigate any kind of uh, bad stuff that might come in, but ultimately the decision is up to you. Something always comes across. And believe me, when you're trying to do good, the devil sends his best agents. And I'm not talking about agents like secret agents. I'm talking about like superstar rock star agents. You know, they offer you everything. They offer you the best deal. You know what? You're trying to get clean from uh, methamphetamines. Here's a free hit. You're trying to get clean from alcohol. All of a sudden, there's a bottle in front of you. How does that happen? It's temptation. It's always there. But it's even more when you're beginning to turn away from that life. Try to live for the Lord. So the false teachers, if they can't stop you, they'll join you, right? And you, you guys have to take serious the study of the Word of God. And to know what you believe. I'm not saying you have to be a professor or something like... This isn't about being smart, okay? This is about loving the Lord. This is about loving the Lord. You're not going to win with your brain. You're going to win with your heart. And you say, I don't want nothing to do with that old kind of life. I just want to live my life for the Lord. That's what it's going to take. If you want to live your life for the Lord, you're going to reject those things those things when persecution comes you're not gonna you're not you're not gonna um want to give up because that, that's one of the biggest temptations 
the false teachers were just trying to get him to give up, saying, you guys missed it already. Yeah, God did say that, but it's too late for you. Maybe that's a word for somebody here tonight. Maybe you think God can save that, those guys up here, but not me. Well, that's a lie. Because nobody's more special than anybody else. Your sin's not greater than anybody else. Jesus died for everybody. And you're on the list. And he loves you. And don't let any kind of persecution, any kind of trouble stop you. Because that's exactly what the enemy wants. False teaching causes complacency and doubt. Persecution, hey, if you're going through a trial, you should rejoice at least. Say, God, I'm, I'm counted worthy for this. You mean you're allowing me to draw close? I'm not saying that you got to be happy in your trial. But just know that you have a choice to turn to him. Let's look at verse 4. He talks of, about boasting of their faith and endurance in the face of persecution. So that, that's something, you know, a lot of times we like to boast, right? About our, who's a Dallas fan? Who's a Dallas fan? Hey, what are we going to do every year? We're taking it all, right? And what's your team? Oh. Where are you going? We'll meet you in the bowl. <laughs> we'll meet you in the bowl. But everybody thinks they're going to win every year, right? Why not? And when we win one game, we say, that's my team. Well, when they lose, that's not our team anymore. Like, uh, Let's not talk about that this week. <laughs> you know what? We're going to boast about anything seriously. We've got to boast about what God's doing in our life and give Him all the glory. And that's what Paul is doing. He's boasting about what God's doing in their life. Now, if you're not careful, you might, you might come up here. You might see everybody standing up here and standing up here graduating people and I think oh they think they got it all together ah oh, man if you would know the wreck that we just got saved from you would be thanking God you would be praising God and saying look at God what he did look at what he's doing and, and Paul is a father to the Thessalonians it makes it even easier for him to boast. Because what father doesn't want to boast about his kids, right? Like, Man, look at that's my boy. Dude, that's my girl right there. So father, father needs to affirm his love and care for his children and wife, right? He needs to. Man, you need to affirm your love and care for your, your, your wife and your kids. And they need to hear it. You need to tell them. Don't just assume that they understand. They need to hear it. And you need to take that and, and, and consistently say it and be it. But Paul, as a father in the faith, that's exactly what he's doing to his spiritual children. You see, Paul has spiritual children. He's like a father to the church. And the church was birthed, if you will, as a baby church and he nurtured it and then it grew and he's boasting them so a spiritual father needs to give his blessings to the spiritual children God has given him to that, that he's helped raise in the faith that, that's something that I think is really important in the spiritual growth of people if you don't have spiritual connections like a family like that then you can never receive a blessing like that from a spiritual father or from a brother in the faith. Maybe you've lost your spiritual father or maybe you don't have that and you're now starting to realize that those kind of things are important. Those are relationships that God gives us. Those are powerful things in your life. It's the way God designed us to go through life in Christ. So what they were going through, it deserved to be talked about. And, and most, most surely it was a good, good example of what enduring through problems looks like. 
We're going we're gonna to look at that as we go through. They were enduring through a lot of problems, and there was tribulation happening. It wasn't the great tribulation. The, the false teachers were saying it was a great tribulation. It wasn't, but it was tribulation. See, that's, there's a difference between the great tribulation, which is a whole different event, and tribulation that happens in the life of a believer. But tribulation produces perseverance, which is what I wanted to bring, why I wanted to bring that up. Romans 5, 3 through 5, it says, not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So, if you, you pray for tribulation, God bless you. <laughs> but Because you're going to have it already, right? Tribulation, though, you can, you can understand this if you're going through some sort of tribulation. That if you keep your hope fixed in Christ, you're going to gain what's called perseverance. And it's not just any kind of perseverance. It's not just dumb perseverance where you actually just went brain dead and, and accidentally made it through. <laughs> this is a quality that is built up. And it's a quality that will actually endure. It won't just fade, come and go. Perseverance, if you really have it, it'll be a quality that is like a gift that stays and it doesn't go away because you've been given this gift. It's a gift, it's a fruit of the Spirit, right? Perseverance. And perseverance, it produces character. Okay? When you persevere through times and you hang on, it brings out character. Guys, ladies, in the ministry, while you're going through, you're being asked to do things you really don't want to do. And you got to persevere through it. you got to figure out, do I really want to change or do I just want to be the same old me? Do I really want to change my character and persevere? Or do I just want to fake it till I make it? You can't fake it till you make it. We're going to see it. But even more than that, God's going to see it. And say, oh, there's the old you. So when are you going to change? You can't do it. God has to do it. Right? God has to do it. Character produces hope. Hope. There's nothing more powerful than that. Hope keeps you hanging on. Hope is an anchor and hope doesn't disappoint. And it all happens because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts. So if you don't have the love of God and you're trying to do it on your own, you get none of these qualities. And, and you, be, you stay stuck in a state that makes you miserable. And you're wondering, why isn't this God thing working for me? Because we're looking at it from the human side of things. And we're just trying to change the product. Instead of the producer. Right? We're trying to change the end result uh, of what the producer makes, which is the product. Right? We manufacture chaos. And we're saying, well, i got to stop... Uh, that chaos and get rid of that chaos. Brother, you need to change the whole factory. <laughs> you need to shut the factory down and go plant a garden. Okay? Because the product isn't going to change if the producer doesn't change. And that's you and me. We're the producers. You can only change by putting your faith in Jesus. Again. And I know what you guys need to get through life. It's endurance. Hebrews 10.36 says, You have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. Do we need endurance tonight? Anybody need endurance tonight? We need to run the race. And it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And the marathon, you need endurance. You can't just do little bursts and like... Check out how fast I run, Dad. You know, when my son was young, he would, I can beat you. 
Now he can really beat me. <laughs> Especially with a bad ankle. Wait till it gets better. But, you know, we, we want to try to do little bursts when what we really have to gear up for is that marathon attitude and persevere. That's what these guys in Thessalonica were doing. They were realizing this isn't just a little, this isn't just a, a week commitment or a two-month commitment or a six-month commitment. This is a lifetime commitment. We need endurance. This isn't going to end. There isn't going to be anybody else that does it for us. We're going to need it. And God is going to have to give it to us because there's nowhere else we can go that we can get this kind of stuff. There's no other place that we can get the quality built up in us this way. Quality of endurance. Endurance is the fruit of hope. So when you've been hoping, putting your hope in Jesus, man, you have endurance. Let's end um, with this last thought here in verse 5. Verse 5 says, it's manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God. So their hope and endurance and their, the persecution that they were enduring was evidence that God is righteous. He's going to judge those who have done wrong. But also, he's going to be judging those who have been counted worthy. There's two different judgments, by the way. You say, only God can judge me. Oh boy. <laughs> That's right. But pray that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. And it's not just to put doubt or to say, I don't know if you're worthy, right? Because the Bible already tells us none of us are worthy. None of us are worthy. We've never done a good enough thing. The best person that's ever lived, except for Jesus, right? He doesn't count. Okay? The best person that's ever lived has never been good enough to be worthy. So what does it mean to be worthy? Or are there anybody worthy? And I said, no, the Bible says no, right? Who's he talking about here then? that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God. Does it mean you have to be good enough to be counted worthy? Or what is worthiness at, at all? Let's kind of take a little poll here. What does worthiness mean? Anybody? When I think of worth, I think of value. Like, for instance, you go to a car lot, say, how much do you want for that car, Shady car salesman? And says, we want $10,000. $10,000? Yes. Well, you know what? It's not worth that much, right? Because everybody knows it's worth maybe about 2000 so why don't we settle at 2500 right? Whatever we place our value on, right? That's, that's worth. So values, values, what do you value? When you're saying worthy, or maybe you don't feel worthy. That's something that's a common uh, thought that comes in when we're getting clean and we're getting sober and we're, we're sitting there saying, you know what, I've done some pretty bad stuff. I've hurt some people. I've stolen things from people I love. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy of their love. Definitely not worthy of God's love. And, and we're looking at it like we're saying how much we think we're worth. Right? Which is totally the wrong perspective. Because if you're saying I'm not worthy then you have no <laughs> you have no authority to <laughs> if you're not worthy to say how worthy you are because you don't count. What counts is what God says. What does God say? He says, yeah, nobody, all have fallen short of the glory of God. There's none worthy. 
But then why did he die for us? Why would he pay a price? Look, check out the value of the, the God of heaven sending his son to die so that way he could give us new life. How much is your son or your daughter worth? How much are they worth? Though? Everything, right? They're worth trading your own life for, right? Do you think that God might be able to love his son even more than we could love our children? Yeah, because God's way bigger, right? So, so when he sent his son to die for me and you, how much do you think you're worth? If he thinks that you're, you're valuable enough to send his son to die for him. How much do you think you're worth? What, what kind of price would you put on it? Think about it. When I was a kid, I might say, a million dollars. Because that was like the biggest number I could think of, right? And now... It's incalculable. And so it's worth either nothing or more than we can imagine. There's just no way to put a value on it, right? Is what you're saying. There's no way to put a value on it. We can't even comprehend it, is really what, we come, what it comes down to. Said we can't even comprehend the value of what God thinks of us. He, he says, well, it's not about whether you deserve it or not. Because that's coming from your perspective. God is a God of grace. So he's not saying, you deserve it. That's not, that's not what he's put into the equation. He's saying, this is who I am. This is what I think. I don't care what you think. I care what I think. Because I'm God. And I think this about you. I'm willing to pay the price. I'm willing to go the full extent of what anybody could ever do to show you the value of the price. Because there is a price. There is a value, but it's not, we can't imagine what it is. It's just something that's way beyond what we could imagine. But Jesus paid the price for us. Because he had more than enough to pay. <laughs> so he, he traded places with us. He took the beating for us. And then he paid to get us out of jail. Eternal jail. That's what hell is, right? Hell is jail. Hell is an eternal prison. It's a prison. It's really what it is. Hell is a prison that was made by God to imprison Satan and the fallen angels. That's really the simple way to put it. There's none of us that are worthy, but he's, he talks about us being worthy right here. He says that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God. So Jesus already, he said, well, I already counted you worthy, but he's talking about living your life in a way that pleases God. Ephesians 4.1 says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk worthy in a manner worthy, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which we, you have been called. So it, it comes down to our daily actions. He thought we were worth it. Do you think he's worth it? That's the big question that we leave with you tonight. He thought we were worthy. Do you think... He's worthy. Do you think he's worth it? Do you think following the life of Christ is worth it? I would believe everybody here would say yes. But what has to happen if we really believe that is action has to follow. If we really believe it, action will follow. You will really walk worthy. You'll really realize when nobody's looking and everybody has their back turned and you have an opportunity to, to reach across the table and take something that's being offered, 
some kind of temptation that comes across, you have to ask yourself, is he worthy? Am I walking worthy? Would that be worthy? And, and it's your values. Do you value your treasure <laughs> like the way that pirate does? You go, I'm, you're going to become pirates for Christ. Okay? Pirates for Christ. That's the new ministry that we're starting. <laughs> it's a big question, though. Here's, the, here's my final um, hope for you guys to take away. He, he's worthy above all things. He really is. God, Jesus, is worthy above all things. Anything that could come in your life. Anything. We're not worthy of grace. He's, he is worthy. And then he says, you're, you're, I want to give that to you. When you need grace and you, you embrace grace, he becomes worth it's just I can't even describe it it's worth everything and it's above everything that's who he is that's the kind of value that's what it takes and that's where we end tonight that's where, that's where our thoughts end tonight well for me anyway you guys can go on I hope your, your wheels stay spinning but I hope you get some traction and you can move forward and God will give you the faith and, and you realize I've been doing this in my own strength. I've been doing this in my own power. I need to do it in his strength and in his power. And so if you guys will uh, stand with me and have a final word of prayer.